unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And welcome back to the show once again. I took a week off from the JAS podcast. Yes, I know I criticized the NBA for load management, but I took one of my own. (laughs) But I am back and ready and raring to go. And coming up on this week's show, we're going to talk to Pam Shabotkin. She works in broadcast television and event production. She's been on the show before. She works with ESPN, the Big Ten Network, CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, many, many networks. And uh, she does a great job in uh, all sorts of things that are related to television production. And uh, she spent time inside the NBA bubble. So we'll talk to Pam about that. Pam is also going to help us pick our closing TV theme for today. First couple of notes from the National Football League. And boy, what a game yesterday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. A big uh, division square off between these two teams. Steelers win, remain undefeated. Uh, but what a great game to watch as uh, got two really good teams going back and forth and uh, comes down to a last possession to decide the game. And that is why the NFL is king. More often than not, you get a at least a handful of games every Sunday that the game, the balance of the contest is on the last possession, which keeps you glued and keeps you into it. Now, they used to say that about the NBA. You know, you just have to watch the last two minutes of the game. But the NFL, an NFL football game is such an ebb of highs and lows that, uh, you know, sports in general is that. But the NFL just kind of exudes that and brings that out of you more than anything else. San Francisco 49ers, boy, injury troubles continue to plague them. They continue to lose players left and right. Their outstanding tight end, George Kittle, is going to be uh, missing several weeks with a uh, fracture in his foot. And Jimmy Garoppolo, boy, I tell you, he's a decent quarterback, but he cannot stay healthy. So Nick Mullins will get the grain for at least the next six weeks or so as Garoppolo tries to uh, recover from his high ankle sprain. And Bill Belichick, 2-5 and in 2020. Does that... Tell you all you need to know about this year. Now he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore, and right off the bat of the season, you know, when Cam Newton got the Patriots off to a good start, Brady struggled out of the gate. Oh, see, it was all Belichick. And now they're saying, oh, it's all Brady. It was both of them. In equal parts, maybe one a little bit more than the other from here and there, but... You know, this continuation of wanting to say, well, it was all Brady or it was all Belichick is just a tired argument. Leave it at the door. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. She does television and event production for the many major networks, ESPN, CBS, ABC, Fox and all of those good ones, as well as many regional networks as well. Pam Shavatkin is here on the program once again. Pam, thank you so much for taking the time. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. And uh, so you spent uh, a long time inside the NBA bubble, so I wanted to kind of ask you about that experience. And uh, were you in the bubble the whole time? 
I was. I was there for a little over 90 days. Why? Okay. So tell me a little bit now, now that you've, you've been out for a little bit now, so you've had some time to, to reflect on that experience. What is the biggest thing that stood out to you during that uh, period of time? You know, just the collaborative effort that we all, uh, everyone that was working, really just took the time to figure out what our resources um, that we had available to us and what we didn't have. And, you know, we were obviously limited with um, all the COVID testing that we had to do, but we were only allowed to go in certain areas. We were only allowed to go to the arenas, to the TV compound, and then to the hotel, and that was it. We weren't allowed to go to grocery stores. We couldn't go, you know, to any drug stores or anything like that. So we really had to rely on outside help, which I think was the most difficult, but also the most rewarding because all of us really kind of banded together to say, this is what we need to do and we want this to be successful. So what measures can we take to accomplish that? And we pulled it off. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing feat. And then, you know, people see a lot of the things on the outside, you know, the the games are on TV, they hear the broadcasters, but they really don't know the depth and the number of people it takes to pull off, uh, not just doing one broadcast, but looking at the number of broadcasts that you did during that three-month period of time. How many people uh, did it take to uh, pull off this effort that were uh, in the bubble for 90 days? We had about, uh, I want to say... 400 core people and then another 200 that kind of fluctuated in and out um with the schedule it kind of fell uh, right before uh nfl and then before college football so a lot of those people came in and then to set everything up and then once the game started going they went off to do their nfl packages or college packages um but there was thousands upon thousands that were outside the bubble that were helping to facilitate the people inside. But I want to say probably in total around probably 1,200 to 1,500 total amongst the television crew on one side of the bubble and then the other side that we're also dealing with the players, game operations, and things that were running on the uh, concourse level of the arenas. And as you said, you were very limited on where you could go and and all that. And uh, you and your colleagues, and I know you probably worked with many of them, and you probably made some new friends along the way. So what what did you guys do to uh, to keep yourself sane? <laughs> um, there wasn't really, honestly, much to do. Luckily, we stayed at the Waldorf Astoria in Orlando, which was a lovely resort. Um, so we had, you know, we took advantage of the pool that was there. And there was uh, a restaurant that was at the resort itself, but we really kind of just did what, it kind of felt like we were back in, you know, middle school at camp, where it was kind of one big area, and we were able to go outside and take walks. Um, It was connected to a golf course, so some people decided to go um, play golf to kind of keep their mind clear. A couple people brought bikes with them, but a lot of people, you know, that were avid runners just advantage of the TV compound that's, uh, you know, it was about, I think, I want to say it was 90,000 square, something like that, but the actual uh, Wide World of Sports campus is about 220 acres, so it's pretty big, Um, and if people wanted to go running around there, they could, and again, this whole area was credential access only, so there were no fans, there was no regular spectators, 
And, you know, we didn't really have to worry about anyone from the outside that wasn't being tested on a regular basis coming into compound. So we really felt comfortable taking, you know, going on walks or going for bike rides or whatever the case was. We brought, you know, a deck of cards with us. And it was just like, you know, talking and trying to get outside and having fresh air. And, you know, if we wanted to stay in our rooms and watch TV, we could do that too. But it kind of felt like, you know, a glorified camp situation. But there wasn't a lot of real downtime, to be honest, because once the game started, you, you know, by the time we get out of there, we were on site at 8 a.m. and we were out of there by 1 a.m. So, you know, once we're done kind of calming down, we wanted to make sure that we got ample sleep. Um, and then we kind of rinsed, repeat, and did the whole thing over again. And we just kept going and and through finals. So. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the testing. How often did you have to get tested? So we were tested um, twice a week. And each network had their own specific testing day. Um, and then they had new people. As new people came into the bubble, they had, you know, their days where they uh, were tested specifically for new um, additions only. And then once it started getting into the second round of playoffs, which is when all the families were allowed to come into the bubble, then we started to test every day. Because mm-hmm. um, we really wanted to ensure that anything that, Anyone that was coming in from the outside, we were all clear, and we really wanted to keep the precautions in it. Uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything right, and we felt that that was the best course of action for us, and it paid off. And, of course, you look at the NBA, the NHL, both went to the bubble environment, and then we saw the challenges that baseball had, that the, the, the college football and pro football are having, not being able to be enclosed in the bubble. Can you speak to, you know, the particularly where the NBA is concerned, uh, the monumental effort that, that it took to have no positive tests? I mean, it's it comes down to, you know, what we really wanted to accomplish at the end of the day. And I think we all had to be on the same page in order to get that done. And I think the problem that happened with MLB and that with the problem that they're seeing with NFL is you, you know, everyone's an adult and you cannot make them do something that they don't necessarily want to do unless it's in a bubble situation. So, you know, we really all had to be on the same page that we wanted to do whatever it kind of took to make sure that this was successful and, you know, the league was really, really, really uh, great in working with the different networks on making sure that they're helping in any way they can. And the way that they did the testing, which didn't make it so it was um, not evasive. You know, they wanted to make sure that we were all comfortable with how the procedures went. Everything on our end, were, we were all tested inside our hotel, so it's not like we had to go out of our way really necessarily to um, disrupt what we had to do on the work side, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there was a pretty large window of when we could get tested for that day. And it really was nice because kind of everyone's schedule from depending upon the network that you were working with or with the league, that was a little bit different. So we know we wanted to make sure that there was a large window. So we had uh, people there starting at like 5.45, so the testing went from about 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. each day, which is a pretty long window, but, you know, when you have potential games that didn't start at 7 o'clock and there's people that are on site that early, then you want to make sure that they're getting tested before they go into work, and you also want to make sure the earlier, you know, we found that the earlier you got tested, the earlier you got your results, so if you want your results, it's 
within the 24 hours, let's say, then you'd want to do it early in the morning so you can get the results. So you kind of just figured out and you learn different ways and how the system works. Um, and, you know, we just were all, we just wanted the mindset of we just want to be able to pull it off. And we all wanted to be able to work because remember, a lot of us hadn't worked for, including myself, hadn't worked for four months. So I didn't want any outside extremities to come in to mess up the job that we needed to do. Because if that happened, then we, you know, wouldn't be working anymore. So we just wanted to ensure that everything was going according to plan. Yeah, and it went off uh, flawlessly. And, and you look at the fact that you know there was going to be some college basketball tournaments here in no- in Orlando in November out at the same yep. site, and these have kind of gotten blown up because there's not, not a, a lack of agreement, if you will, on the protocols. And I think it just goes to show you that you really got to be buttoned up on that thing if you want it to work. Absolutely, and you know, really give credit to ESPN for going through the motions. They really wanted it to happen. But ultimately, it comes down to the NCAA. It comes down to a lot of factors that I think that people don't realize that, you know, it's not just necessarily about testing itself, but it's such, like, logistically, it's not something where you can just set up a couple nurses and they can just show up and it'll be fine. Um, You know, dealing with each conference, and remember for these, you know, preseason tournaments, there are certain conferences that run these tournaments normally and there's usually you know there's always the eight teams from each different conference that are selected to play and when that happens you know you really have to make sure that you've got the man support to do it and remember this is around think the thanksgiving holiday it's still in the middle if it's not going to be a bubble situation in the middle of covid in florida the cases are rising and you're going to have to travel your core people but are they going to be willing to do it it costs a lot of money to make sure that you're dealing with hotels and you're dealing with travel plus testing you know if you're sending out you know your teams you're going to have to send out your academic advisors to make sure that the kids are still doing you know schooling and it's it becomes a logistic kind of i don't want to say nightmare but there's so many different little things that are involved that ultimately it's it's really hard to just quote-unquote pull off mm-hmm. and you know when you've got eight tournaments back to back I mean one tournament is 12 games in three days which just mentally that's already a lot and from an operations standpoint doing eight tournaments over the course of two weeks is a lot <laughs> so you know, I really am thankful that Disney and, you know, the city of Orlando, they really pulled out all the stops for us. And honestly, from a bubble situation, it was a lot easier to maintain when you're on the campus at Disney World because they're their own city, they're their own entity, and you can really control who can go in and out of certain areas. And if you harbor yourself onto a hotel and it's a bubble situation, you can't have it really open to guests. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. You know what I mean? There's like there's certain things that you wouldn't necessarily think of when you're building a production from scratch that you would not really normally need to deal with in different settings. So I think logistically, um, the NCAA could have been overwhelmed. The teams would have been overwhelmed. And remember, you know, a lot of these teams tend to pull out when they're facing opponents that they're not you know, are, they're, they're facing that they're probably going to lose and would you want to pay all that money to travel and to ultimately get a loss on your, you know, already shortened season? A lot of teams felt that that wasn't 
worth it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it, and there's just a lot of things that went into the decision making. And, you know, it, it's a bummer for those that really wanted to get a chance to work it. Um, and it's a bummer for, you know, Orlando and, and the teams because now they have to make up those five. There's five games that they lost. Mm-hmm. So now they're having to make it up on their own in different areas, and they're all trying to have their own MTEs. So I'll be really interested to see how the season plays out this year. Yeah. Well, you wear a lot of hats in television, television production, but I imagine in the bubble you probably even wore more hats than, than than normal, I would presume, as you probably had to band together with your colleagues and uh, and making sure things got done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were really working what a normal production we were probably working at about uh, 60% um, rather than the 100% that we normally would have. So we were already limited with the number of people that were going to be working with us. And we had, you know, what we call the inside bubble and then the outside bubble and people were still working. We had, you know, people that were going out to get us craft services that were doing um, pickups for us at things, places like Home Depot or grocery stores, what have you. And there was a whole lengthy process that when they brought stuff back, they had to go through a cleaning process, um, you know, to make sure that it was wiped down appropriately and, you know, there were no issues with bringing anything that wasn't sanitized and wasn't cleared um, into the bubble, and that was a process in itself. Um, So we kind of really had to be the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, and every sense of the word to make sure that we had what we needed. And there was a lot of, I guess, like moving parts, too. And again, this is all logistics. If you think of, you know, what it takes, if you look at what an office building is like, and all the requirements that you need to have an office run smoothly, and then go outside into the parking lot and build it from scratch, that's literally what we had to do. Um, so when you think about it, next time you see a printer and you walk into an office and you see a printer, I always kind of make the joke and say, all right, well, we also need toner and we need paper and we need, you know, power and internet to connect to Wi-Fi. So there's all these little things when you see something and it's just kind of easy for you inside of a regular office, we had to create all of that from scratch. So going down the line, we had to go through each thing individually and all the working parts that are involved with each one of those things to to make it happen. And we luckily had, like I said, a, a really great team to keep us on our toes and everyone kind of really, really pulled together and we all were in the same mindset. We all had the same type of energy and work ethic. And, you know, we, it's, it's hard if you don't have one or two people that can pull their weight, and luckily everyone really pulled their weight and more because we all wanted to work. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be, you know, who knows when things will get back to, you know, what we think, you know, normal was. <laughs> uh, do you see anything that, that that you that you did in production over the last ninety days that you probably will carry back out uh, once things become more open again? Absolutely. Um, you know, you just realize certain things um, and how you're working with people and how sensitive certain subjects are and the attention to detail that we always really had that um, normally, but now it was even more enhanced than it was before. And I think just in how you um, we deal with different vendors, I think I'm going to you know, utilize that mindset moving forward. And again, when you're working on any type of show, you're always going to deal with some type of challenge, whether it's a weather issue, 
whether it's a city ordinance or, you know, something doesn't happen, you're, you know, the vendor is late or something like that. So we, you know, figured out ways to troubleshoot with limited resources. So I think moving forward, having that similar mindset will help us because we're going to have obviously a lot more resources and things to be able to work with, you know, going outside and being able to do things for yourself is, is something that I obviously definitely missed. Um, but having to go, having been through it, I can appreciate those little things a little bit more. Um, and I think I'll take that with me wherever my next show is. And I think this kind of show really sets the, the standard and the bar for what kind of work ethic I want to expect people and the people that I work with. And I, I, I mean, it's definitely going to be a, a change and it's going to be a welcome change, but I think this, this is going to make me appreciate things so much more. I don't think I'll ever complain about a weather delay ever again in baseball. <laughs> but, um, I think we're all just excited to get back to work and I just hope it gets back to where it was beforehand because I know how much fans miss it. I know how much we miss it. And, you know, well, time, time will tell. So, and how much? And how much do you miss the fans? I mean, I absolutely miss the fans. It's there. There's a different type of energy when you're in a, a situation where you're, you know, if it's a game seven, as much fun as it is to watch the players, and you're able to hear them a lot more distinctively because they're mic'd up. You know, we, there's always that weird energy that's just an unexplainable thing when you're with fans that are screaming and yelling and chanting, and there's it just becomes something that is undeniably awesome um, that when it gets to the playoffs you just feel this type of just shift of momentum and it really is something that I'm I'm excited to get back to and I'm a sports fan in addition to working in the business so I know from a fan perspective I want to go to these games but I also want to make sure that things are safe and they're taking the precautions necessary to do that right now. Yeah, I tell you, the one thing that just stood out to me watching games inside the NBA bubble, and I know it'll never, ever change, but, you know, when players are playing in front of fans in packed arenas, you know, what stood out to me the most was seeing all the space on the sidelines and the baselines. I got a feeling the players are kind of kind of miss having that extra room to operate, even though they want the fans back. But the fan, when the fans come back, they're going to be right on top of them again. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there was definitely, you know, this level of of something is missing. And, you know, I, I don't, I think it's, they tried to make it as realistic as possible. They had the PA person, they had, you know, a DJ, they had the video boards going. But there's really just nothing else like having fans booing and cheering. I mean, there's just that thing that you just get used to with games that there's, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the players are going to be excited to have fans because, you know, at the end of the day, their fans are the ones that are going to buy the jerseys. The fans are the ones that are going to buy the tickets. And, you know, you want to get revenue from those ticket sales, and that's what makes, you know, teams just as successful. You want to create this atmosphere from a marketing and advertising perspective to get them to show up and you know it's it's an element that definitely is missing and i i'm i'm excited to get them back soon <laughs> yeah so uh so now that you've been through the bubble experience what is uh what is next on the horizon for you well i have been sleeping that is definitely something that was on my horizon and it's just going to be interesting to see i'm not really sure until 
um, these college basketball schedules come out, and that's supposed to, to hit in the next, you know, week or so. And, you know, hopefully I'll be doing some of the games there. And then we'll see, you know, there's going to be NFL playoffs that are coming up. There's more golf that's coming up in the, you know, mid November, December, January, obviously the holidays are about to come up. So there's, there's a few things on the horizon here and there. And I just, I haven't booked anything yet, but you know, that's not to say that things aren't going to happen quickly as they always do. That's kind of happened, you know, with the bubble situation and, you know, I'm just prepared and ready for the next step. You got the, you, you don't have just a go bag though. You probably have to have a, a, a what? How how much stuff did you have to take to Orlando to to, uh, to to get yourself through the ninety days? I mean, a lot of stuff, <laughs> um, a lot of toiletries. Because again, I really couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't go to a CVS. Like I had to make sure that I had, you know, to make sure I had a three month supply of pretty much everything. Um, and I kind of treated it, you know, going to camp for three months or going, you know, overseas. You know, this is a lot, a lot of the people that had worked Olympics or World Cup that were overseas for X number of months. You know, I kind of I looked to them and asked them for advice to kind of say, hey, what do, exactly do I need? And I brought a lot more because I drove up um, from West Palm Beach. So I had the luxury of not having to worry about flying, but just driving up with just a bunch of stuff and I didn't, you know, you really don't know what you're going to need in that situation. So I kind of brought a little bit of everything. Luckily, we had laundry twice a week that they had for us. Um, you know, so I, I had a minimal amount of clothes, but just in terms of stuff, there was a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a definitely a, a difficult thing to prepare for. So I wanted to get your opinion on this, too, because, uh, you know, since you work in the business and... Uh, and, and whatnot, and you and you and you got a great Twitter account too that uh, you talk a lot about sports and things like that. But uh, the ultimate sports mashup coming up in November: College Game Day at the Masters. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's great. I know all those guys um, are really big golf fans, um, and they're like super fans, which is even more fun. So it's going to be really cool to see. Um, that experience um, kind of merge with the wholesomeness of what the Masters is. Um, and I think, you know, that you, there's a lot of crossover branding with that, too, because a lot of college football fans are also golf fans. And so, you know, I think it's a win-win for everybody, and I think it's something that is a really, really unique thing that we've never obviously seen before because the Masters is always the week after the Final Four in April. So that's kind of be something that's, really, I think, fun for the game day crew and the game day fans that they're going to be able to kind of take that little break from, you know, the college football Saturday and see how that works. And it's kind of an experiment, too, right? I mean, obviously, it's never been done before, and it will probably be something that they've never, that it will never happen again. Hopefully, fingers crossed, there's not a pandemic in our lifetime. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is just a unique experience, and I, that, I think that's really awesome of, ESPN to kind of jump on it and take advantage of this opportunity, and I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I tell you what, in, in you know you might as well you know with all the challenges that 2020 has thrown, you got to at least like the ingenuity to do something different. You know, it's why uh, not? Yeah, you know, why not? You know, uh, that's always the funny thing too. It's like oh, 2020, sure, why not? Yeah. So it's 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 become one of those things. Why master? Sure, you know, just give me a reason not to. So. Yeah. 
Yes, and a runner on second base to start extra innings. So, so you know, it, there it, you go. It, it all, exactly. It, it, Why not? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Pam is uh, also graciously uh, agreed to uh, help me with the closing TV theme for today. So, I am going to play that for you right now, and we'll talk about <laughs> the her theme choice after you hear this. All right, so we have actually played that TV theme here before, but when a guest requests for it, we will not deny it. That, of course, the theme from Saved by the Bell, NBC, from 1989 to 1993. Pam, tell me why you love Saved by the Bell. Um, Because it's just the best show on television. Um, No, I, I remember watching it and just thinking how much I just wanted to be in Southern California going to high school with these cool kids that... You know, the storylines were so wholesome, and I really miss that kind of television these days because I think they've taken so many risks with all this, you know, promiscuity and all these bigger social issues and all this stuff. But, you know, there was always a nice moral and always kind of like a positive sin, even if it was a negative topic that they were talking about. The bright colors, I love the cast. Um, I've, I mean, I still kind of follow up what they've all been doing since the show. They came out with a couple of spinoffs that I really enjoyed, and now the new streaming network on NBC, Peacock, is coming back, and they're rebooting the show, which I'm actually really excited about because they're bringing back uh, the majority of the cast for it. So it's something that I remember in my childhood just being something I really, really enjoyed on a Saturday morning, and you know, every time I go back and watch all the episodes, I have them all on DVD, even though you can stream them all now, but... Uh, they're just great. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those shows that I could never get enough of and never tire of. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I look at this show, you know, and, and it was not a prime time show. It was a Saturday morning show that somehow, you know, has resonated for a lifetime for a lot of people. And I I kind of equate it to the fact that I think if, if anybody could write their script to what high school should have been like for them, that would be the script they would write. Oh, 100%. And it was something really different and unique. I mean, it followed the Looney Tunes cartoon, which, again, was just something that was never been done before. Um, and I, I would consider myself an expert. And if anyone wants to go toe-to-toe with me on trivia, I'm happy to do that anytime, anywhere. Um, but Brandon Tartikoff, who was one of the executives at NBC at the time, he had this crazy idea to, to say, why, why not do this? I think the kids would resonate with it, and it was a risk that they took, and I want to say it started at on Disney Channel first, 
And then when it changed, it was, it was Good Morning with Bliss. Mm-hmm. It didn't really do well on Disney Channel. And Brandon Tartercroft at NBC said, no, I think we can, we have a market for this. We have, you know, a target audience for this. And I think it would do well on our network on a Saturday. Let's try it. And it worked. Yeah. And who is your favorite Saved by the Bell character? Uh, Zach Morris, always. <laughs> have you ever met? Uh, always and forever in my heart. <laughs> have you ever met Mark Paul Gosselar? I have. I met. Um, I met him when he was doing a. Um, he was doing a bar tour for Franklin and Bash, which was a legal television show that was. It was a great show. I, I loved it. I want to say it was. It was a great show, and it was kind of Zach Morris all grown up. It's Zach Morris is a lawyer. <laughs> yep. um, but I remember going to that show, you know, go, and I have a Saved by the Bell um, music, like the soundtrack CDs, and I got him to sign it, and I was, I probably, I, I, what's so funny is I got super starstruck by him, and I don't get starstruck by any athlete. It's, just, <laughs> it's one of those things where he makes me weak in the knees, and I'm, I can absolutely say hey to LeBron like it's no big deal. It's just really, it's hilarious. <laughs> So, as far as the reboot goes, uh, you know, uh, as you said, mo- a lot of the core is going to be back. It's go- obviously going to be, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, Zach and Kelly are going to be there, and uh, you're going to have you're going to have Slater and uh, and why am I blanking? Jesse, yes, Jesse, thank you. <laughs> Jesse, um, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Lisa um, Lark Voorhees just uh, it was just announced that she had signed on for a cameo appearance, which. That was a big surprise because she had been dealing with a lot, and it was she wasn't included in a lot of the um, stories and the behind the scenes stuff. And um, Screech has kind of Dustin Diamond has kind of separated himself because he went a little loony. But um, it's really cool to see all of them together, and they're all they're all been friends since day one. And it's I love being able to see casts from the late '80s and early '90s that are still friendly today, and that just it makes you appreciate it even more because you know there was some chemistry that worked well and it wasn't just, you know, actors and actresses on a set and they went their separate ways. There was really, you know, a, a sense of community together and we were able to get a little bit of what their friendship was like. So it's a really cool thing to see that now. Yeah, and of course, you know, uh, I was, of course, a big fan of Dennis Haskins as Mr. Belding, America's principal. Oh, of course. Um, you, you know, and I, and I know he is a huge sports fan, and I know he's he's actually been pretty immersed in the sports world but with, with uh, sports talk show hosts like my buddy Todd Wright over in Tampa, Tim Brando, people like that. Uh, it's it's uh, Unfortunately, we we'll, won't be seeing him, I guess. I haven't heard of any news of him being being on the show, on the reboot. I mean, I, I'm, I would be really, really surprised if they didn't include him, considering he was a part of the new class, he was a part of the college years, and he actually, it's funny, because I went to the University of Tennessee, and he lives in Chattanooga, so he was a really big um, UT Chattanooga fan, um, so I would always remember, I would always hope that he would come to Knoxville when I was there, and I missed him every single time, which is a bummer, <laughs> but one of these days... Me and Dennis Haskins will hang out, and there will be photos involved. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there you go. So uh, He's going to be my best friend. He just doesn't know it yet. Th- there you go. Uh, and he looks like a guy who'd be a great best friend to have, too. That's for sure. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So as far as the new series goes, uh, do you, what, what are your expectations? I'm going in with no expectations, because I feel like if you do that, then you're not going to get disappointed. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be 
as amazing as the original. So, you know, you when I'll, when I see any of these reboots, I kind of just have to set my mind that, you know, it's not it's never going to be as potentially good as the original. But sometimes, you know, if you go in with lower expectations and it's, it turns out to be great, then you're... And if it doesn't, then you're, it's no harm, no foul. But good for them that they, like I said, whenever you get the original cast back together, even for a little bit, it's just, it's going to be, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, we, yes, we know where you will be. Uh, what is it? Is it it's right, right before Thanksgiving, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's November 25th. Yeah, so there you go. So we know what you'll be doing that day, that's for sure. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Pam Shavagan, thank you so much. I do, do appreciate your insights and uh, all the things you, that you do. And, uh, again, you're also a great uh, follow on Twitter, so please uh, share with our folks your uh, Twitter handle and any other things that you would like to promote. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at RedisFoximus kind of a hard R-E-D-D-U-S-F-O-X-I-M-U-S and same on Instagram and same on Facebook and uh, yeah looking forward to talking to everybody all right, sounds great, and uh, we look forward to, to having you on again sometime again down down the road, uh, and hopefully when things are more normal and uh, and whatnot. But we do thank you for lending your expertise to us today. Absolutely, Jeff. Anytime. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.